Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. If you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're going to continue this series about All In this morning. Part 2. Hey, doesn't the praise team do a great job in the house of God? Trust me, you'd clap a little more if you went to other churches. <laughs> Acts 2. Let's start there. Acts 2. Talking about all in this morning. This is a theme verse for our series. Notice what it says. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Notice 42, what it starts with. All the believers... Talk about all in. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what you're doing right now. To the fellowship. To the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. Verse 43. And a deep sense of all came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And I need your help this morning. And all. The believers met together in one place. We're here right now and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 46, and they worshiped together at the temple each day or the church. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Can I get amen in the house of God today? Today I want to talk to you about prayer. And the title of my message is called The House of Prayer. The House of Prayer. Now, this is part of this series we're talking about on Sundays about being all in with God and all in with your church. Last week we talked about if you're going to be all in with God and with your church family, you're going to have to do life together. You're going to have to fellowship. That's the scriptural word for it. You're going to have to fellowship, do life together, eat together, play together, experience life Monday through Saturday. Don't just show up on Sunday like a stranger. That's not doing life together. That's not what the church is meant to be anyways. But if we're going to go all in with God in our church, we need each other. We can't do it by ourselves. But the next thing it said in these verses is they came together and they prayed. So we're going to be talking today about the house of prayer. Now, I know this means two different things. It means they prayed personally. They had a personal prayer life. We're going to talk about that this morning. But they also came together and prayed corporately. They, they came together and united to pray as a church. Both of those are true. But God wants to do more in your life and in this church, but he's waiting on someone who prays. You got to hear me this morning. A lot of times we think we're waiting on God, but we are not. He's waiting on us. He's waiting for this, for someone to cooperate with him in their prayer life. The Bible says in the New Testament that we are co-workers and co-laborers with God. That's what the word says. Now that means that we have a part to play and God has a part to play. Our part is to pray and God's part is to bring the power. Our part is to pray and it's God's job to heal. Our part is to pray and it's God's job to deliver. Our job is to pray and then he grows the church. Our job is to pray and then the, he provides. We are co-laboring, co-working with God. Many people are like, why isn't God doing anything in my life? Because you're not doing your part. What's he going to help? You ain't doing nothing to help. Co-workers, that's what it says. It says in Corinthians, we are co-workers, co-laborers with God. Now, here's the thing. Everybody's like, well, God could do it if he wanted to. Yes, he could. But he didn't set it up that way. God could do whatever he wants because he's God. But your Bible says he wants to get his people involved in what he's doing. That's his choice, not ours. 
that he involved us in building his church and building his kingdom on the earth. He doesn't want to just do it by himself. He has a family for a reason that his family would be a part of the family business. And that we could participate with him. Co-labor with him. Co-work with him. Not him doing it by himself. So of course God could do whatever he wants to because he's God. But it was God's idea when he made man and woman in the beginning to have them rule and reign with him. To co-work with him. To co-labor with him. That's his plan, not ours. Because many people are like, well, when you preach like that, you're just acting cocky, pastor. Like, God needs you. No, he doesn't need me. But he's made it that he wants me to be involved in what he's doing. God wants you to be involved. That's why he needs our prayers. Does he know you need it? Yes. But he wants us to be involved in our prayer life. But why does he want us to be involved in his work? Because the Bible says he wants his will done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will will not happen on this earth without us participating in it. Now, let's just talk honestly here. Do you really think that God's will is being done perfectly in this world right now? No, it's not. That's why God said, we need you to pray. That's the Lord's prayer. That his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's not automatically happening. He needs his church on the earth to pray and participate. What he's trying to do in the earth for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will will not happen in your life and will not happen in this world apart from our participation in it. It won't. Many were like, well, the world has such great needs. And what about the pandemic? And what about racial tensions? And what about financial crisis? It's not God's fault. It's not even God's will. It's our fault. Because he's waiting on the church to stand up and be what we should be. Because if the church ever got a hold of its authority in prayer and participated with God, guess what? Pandemics would shut down like that. Racial issues would stop like that. Poverty in this world would stop like that. The world would be changed like that if the church globally ever got a hold that they are a part of what God is doing. And participated, co-worked with him, co-labored with God, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But as you know, many church people don't believe any of this. They've been mistaught. They've been taught religion. Which religion says, if God wants it to be, it will be. If it's God's will for my life, it will just happen. You know what will happen? Whatever will happen. And many people think, well, I got cancer. It's God's will. I lost my job. It's God's will. My child was abused. It's God's will. Really? Really? A good, perfect, holy God is willing that on the earth? For what reason? No, I don't serve a God like that. No, those things are happening because we live in a fallen, sinful world with messed up people that have not decided to align their will with God's will. That's why that happens. Don't blame it on God. Blame it on the real corporate, which is the enemy affecting people, making them make wrong decisions, causing the issues in your and my life. Should I go home or should I continue today? I'm going to figure out the whole issues in the entire world in one service. Are you ready? We're already on the right track. I'm running for president 2024. Imagine I I said this at a debate. Everybody would be like, oh, my gosh. I said, no, it's not Democrat and Republican's fault. It's all of us. (laughs) And the enemy helps. But we got to cooperate with 
God, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will. Now that's one of the main prayers in the Lord's prayer that Jesus gave us to pray. That his will would be done on earth. How many of you know, let's just think about this. If God told us in the prayer to ask that, that means it's not automatically happening. <laughs> Why would you need to pray for God's will to be done if God's will is automatically everything that happens is his will? That makes no sense. Yet religion teaches you that. No, we have to participate in what God is doing. I'm sorry, I'll calm down a little bit. No, no, you don't want me to. I'm more fun when I'm not calm. John Wesley, who, who started the Methodist church, famous man of God, John Wesley said this, God does nothing in except in response to believing prayer. God, now he's a Methodist. Now the Methodists don't believe this now. But John Wesley said God does nothing in except in response to believing prayer. Now, where did he get that? He got that from the scriptures. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said that his house would be called a house of prayer. Now, what's his house? What's his house? The church. What's his house? There we go. There we go. There we go. Jesus said that his house would be called a house of prayer. House of prayer, or if you're in a country, house of purr. Now, I'm saying that because dad preached at a church one time that was called a house of purr. It was way out in the sticks in Indiana. House of purr. But God's house will be a house of prayer. Notice not a house of entertainment. Now, I think I'm entertaining to listen to. But, but not necessarily a house of entertainment or a house of anything else, it would be a house of prayer. It would be a group of people seeking God, praying to God, worshiping God, asking God for things, requesting God that he would work and move in their life, in their community, in their families, with their friends, praying that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that his church would be a house of prayer. A praying church is a powerful church, but a prayerless church is a powerless church. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Now, why am I attaching prayer and power together? Because if we don't have power as a church, then what do we have here? Come on, let's talk. What do we have here? What are we doing here on a Sunday morning? We're a community center. We're a country club. We're, we're not the church because the church should be full of power. Should be full of power. But what's the key to the power? A praying church is the key to the power. And no prayer no power, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. And we need the power of God in our personal lives and in this church more than we have ever needed the power of God. Hear me today. We do not need more people and more individuals coming into church that have no power and they have nothing going on in their life. They need the power of God. We need to understand this, that we need God's power because we need God's power to save people, to heal people, to deliver people, to change the world. And that can only happen with the power of God. We need God's power. Unless we have God's power, we are just another organization. We are just another nonprofit. Doing what? Shaking hands, kissing babies? 
handing out a turkey sandwich, telling them God bless. We can't help your life, but come on now, somebody. Let's talk. Because that's what most churches are. We need God's power. If we're going to be the house of prayer that we're called to be, if we're going to be the church we're called to be, we need God's power to save, heal, deliver, change the world. That we don't have the power, but God has the power. But how do we access the power? We got to pray. We got to pray. Many people wonder why we don't see certain things in America that other countries see. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. There's, there's miracle signs and wonders like the book of Acts going on all around the world. Just because you don't hear about it in America doesn't mean it's not happening. It's actually happening all the time. Why? Because those people pray. Because if they don't pray, they die. They're desperate. They, they don't have a bank to fall back on. They don't have a grocery store all the time. They got to believe God to live. They don't have a hospital nearby. They got to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. There's a desperation in a prayer that people in other countries have that Americans don't have. Americans are like, well, we don't see signs and wonders around here. Duh. Because you don't hunger for it. You don't desire it. You don't pray for it like people in other countries do. And that's why you don't see it. But we have to pray to see God's power. Let's look back at the book of Acts, Acts 2, 41 through 42. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Verse, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And to prayer. Now, now these believers, I want to say what I said last week. There was 3,120 of these early church believers. And this is the blueprint for every church. The early church. And these 3,120 believers, all of them were in life groups. All of them prayed. All of them gave all of them served all of them not part of them all of them that's why it was working that's why there was revival that's why that early church changed the known world because they were all doing it all in but they all prayed let's think about this word they all prayed now in the verb tense of these verses i mentioned this last week the verb tense implies that this was not a one-time event when everybody got super excited about God for a few weeks and then it stopped, you know. This, this was an ongoing habitual activity that the early church started and they continued to do this and this is the way they lived their Christian faith out. Doing life together, praying together, giving together, serving together, eating meals together. And the Lord added to the church daily. But just if you're taking notes, even in the first several chapters of the book of Acts, in Acts 4, there was a great miracle. And the early church was being persecuted because a man got raised up and was able to walk again. And they were throwing church leaders in prison. And in Acts 4, it says the church got together and they didn't say, oh, God, help us not to get in trouble anymore with the government. Oh, God, help us that we can avoid this hardship. They go, God, give us more boldness. Give us more passion. Give us more miracles. We're not backing up. We're moving ahead. God, do this in our midst. And in Acts 4, it says, and when they were done praying, the place was shaken. In Acts 6, 
The early church was growing rapidly and they were, there was a lot of new people being there and, and they were looking for more people to be involved on a team and help out. And the early church leaders said, we can't do all of this because we have to give ourselves to the word in prayer. They didn't forget about prayer because prayer was the secret sauce of the early church. So they said, we will give ourselves to prayer. In Acts 12, Peter was in prison about to be murdered, just like the other church leader. But notice what happened. The church got a hold of this. In Acts 12, verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So this church started in prayer, continued in prayer, and they were praying all through the book of Acts. This was an ongoing thing, habitual activity. And it says, but the church had constant prayer offered to God for him by the church. Now, if you read the rest of this passage, Peter was in prison. And because the church gave constant prayer and didn't let their leader just stay in there and like, I, I can't do anything about it. No, they know. We got power in prayer. Come on now, somebody. They didn't storm the prison. You hear what I'm saying without hearing what I'm saying? They didn't storm the prison. Or the Capitol. Because that's not what your power is anyways. That's not power. Power's in prayer. Not violence. I'm going to weed every last one of them out of our church before it's all said and done. You're wrong. The church prayed. The church prayed. And because the church prayed, if you read the book of Acts, Acts 12, Peter was in prison, chained up. And it says an angel came. We believe in angels at this church. Dr. Jacobson taught us about angels. An angel showed up in that prison, and everybody's bands were loosed. And then the angel opened all the doors, and Peter walked out of the prison and walked to the church's house. And when he got to the door, they said, is that really you, Peter? I mean, we were just praying about it, and God did it. But that only happened, that power happened because the church prayed. And not just prayed a little bit, constant prayer was made for Peter. The church prayed. And when the church prayed, the church had power. Are you getting something this morning? But notice this church prayed personally, but they prayed together as well. But what is prayer? This word for prayer mentioned in Acts 2.42, it's a real simple definition. It means to ask and request from God, but it also means just to speak and talk to God. I know those aren't super deep revelations, but that's the simplest definition of what this word prayer means in this verse. They were doing both of these things. They were asking and requesting to God for certain things. And they were also just speaking and talking to God for relationship with him. Prayer is talking to God. Now, I know we have people from all different walks of life in here, all different spiritual ages. Some of you just came in a few weeks ago. Some of you have been in God 40 years. But I want to be really simple today about prayer. And I want to give you some practical tips in a second here, but we need to realize that prayer is just talking to God. You got to talk to God like you would your friend. That's where you start. For everyone in here, you're like, I don't know how to start. Just start talking to God like you would your friend. But your best friend. Not the people you're trying to impress friend. You know what I'm saying? Like your best friend that you tell everything. They know too much about you, that type of friend. 
That's Hamzy in my case and Chad, people like that. They probably know too much about me at this point. But they've signed documents that they can never release that information to the public. But that's how God wants you to talk to him. Like you would talk to a friend. Prayer is just talking to God. It's speaking to God like you would a friend. That's how you develop a relationship with God is talking to God. Just like you develop a relationship with anybody by talking to them. You got to talk to God. Unfiltered. Don't talk in Christian knees to God. He doesn't understand it either. <laughs> you don't have to talk to God in King James English, these and thou's and thy's. That was King James that wrote that, not God anyways. The these and thou's. But talk to God because you want a relationship with him. So prayer is simply... Yeah, it's asking and requesting to God. But more than that, it's just talking to God like you would a friend. But like every relationship, you have to get past the awkward phase. You hear me today? All of you in here, if you're developing a relationship with God, it takes time. It takes time to listen and hear God's voice. It takes time to talk to God. It takes time to understand how to do it better how to listen better, how to talk to him better, it takes time. In the same way, when you first go to eat with somebody you don't really know that well, you got plenty of stuff to say, but in that moment, you kind of go blank. You're like, I don't know what to say because this is the first time we've been together to talk. Same way with God. It's not awkward on his side. It's awkward on our side. But you got to press past that. But if I could start you with something today, prayer is just talking to God. Talk to him about what's important to you. Talk to him about your, your wife or husband. Talk to him about your kids. Talk to him about your job. Talk to him about your health. Talk to him about what you need. Talk to him. That's how you start developing a relationship with God. And it becomes a friendship. And that's the way it should be. My personal opinion is this. I'd rather you talk to God in little portions throughout the day than just to wait till the end of the week and then try to pray for an hour. Because that's not a relationship, is it? And I think that's what God would prefer anyways. Because most of us in here, let's be honest, most of you don't have hours and hours every day to pray. You don't. God understands that. But you do have moments. In the morning when you wake up, on your drive to work, on your lunch break, in the afternoon, at nighttime when it's quiet, those are the moments that we need to talk to God and start there. So I'm going to give you today four kind of really practical, simple steps about prayer, and then I'm going to give you four things that I would like for us to pray about as a church. So we're doing four for four. Wendy's. Okay? I told you, I'm torn. Part of me's core life, part of me's Wendy's. It's just my struggle. I'm your pastor. I'm just got to be honest with you. But we're going four for four today. So I want to talk about some really simple steps to pray. And of course, we talked about already that prayer is just talking to God. The first thing is, we need to make prayer a priority. The priority of prayer. Prayer in all of our lives, if we are a believer, should be our first response, not our last resort. To everything. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. How many know we've all done that? Like, We've exhausted all other options. And we're like, I, you know, we could have prayed about this. I've done it too. But how many know it should be the opposite? You should have prayed first, then responded to the other things around you. But prayer, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. You know, in our life, Prayer should be a priority every day. Just like other things are a priority to you every day, you don't 
miss a day. Prayer should be at the top of that list of things that is a priority to us. Prayer should be first, our first response. Just for an example, if you have a physical issue, our first response should not be check WebMD. <laughs> because it's going to tell you you're dying no matter what you look up. Nose twitch, dead. Earwax, definitely dead. Sore kneecap, dead. Five days tops. It's always going to do that to you. But how many know when, when we have even a physical issue, our first response is, I got to call the doctor. I got to call somebody and talk to him about it. I need to do this. I need to get on WebMD. Slow down. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. How about before we freak out and, and jump into the fear bandwagon, let's pray about it. And then maybe God could speak to us. <laughs> and he could tell us what to do. Maybe even tell us the medicine to get. Maybe tell us the doctor to go to instead of overreacting and already planning our funeral because we looked up WebMD. Trust me, I've been there before. But prayer should be our first response when you get a bad report. Prayer should be our first response before you look at your bank account. Prayer should be your first response before you respond back to that text. Jesus, be offense. Prayer should be your first response. It would come out better if you text him back and you prayed first. But if we're going to pray, prayer should be our priority. Should be first. Our first response, not our last resort. If you did that to every situation in your life, you would pray a lot. And God would speak to you. And God could lead you. And give you answers. The next thing I want to talk about is the place of prayer. We all need a place to pray. Let's read a verse here in Matthew 6, verse 5. Jesus said this, when you pray, assuming, hey, if you're going to be my follower, you're going to be praying. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. So we need to have a place to pray. Our place to pray should be a quiet, private place. That's what this verse says. So we're not distracted. If we follow the life of Jesus, Jesus would go to a solitary place to pray. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus would go to the desert, go to the wilderness, go walk by the sea to pray. Many, many times in the Gospels, that's repeated. He went to a solitary, quiet, private place to pray. So he could focus so he could listen. And we all need a place to pray in here. And Jesus says it's not important that you do it publicly. It's important what happens privately. We need to have a private place that we can pray. Now, why am I talking about this? Because I know if you don't have a place, it's probably not going to happen. Let's get real practical. If you just keep winging it, your prayer life is going to be pretty scattered the rest of your life. We need a place to pray. Now, my two places to pray that work for me is my truck and Charlestown State Park. I'm not telling you what trail, not telling you where, but Charlestown State Park. Why? Because they're both quiet and they're solitary places where I can pray. And something about me, I don't do good sitting in a chair praying. My mind wanders. I do better praying when I'm driving my truck or I'm walking in the woods or just taking a walk. I pray better that way. Some of you are different, but we all need to find a place of prayer and let that be your place. Let that be that, your place that you meet with God 
It could be a chair in your house. It could be a closet in your house. That's scriptural. The term prayer closet comes from this verse where he talks about you need to go into a private inner room or closet. It could be you going to the park. It could be all sorts of places, but you need to have a place where you can get quiet and you can be alone and hear God and pray to God. But it's going to work differently for everyone in here. But you need a place. So we talked about the priority of prayer, the place of prayer. Next thing I want to talk about is the posture of prayer. Now, posture of prayer, I'm not talking about how you stand when you pray. Posture, I'm talking about the definition of posture that means the heart or attitude behind why you do something. How is your heart and attitude towards God when you pray? God cares about that. How many know God cares about your heart and your attitude more than anything else? He cares about your heart and your motives more than any other thing. He cares about how you really feel on the inside, not just your outward performance. God cares about the heart. So I'm going to talk a second about the posture of prayer when you pray. James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, what's the posture of prayer? The posture of prayer is the heart and the attitude. And when you go to pray, this is the way your heart is towards God. And in these verses, there's many things that says that our heart should be. And if we live this way, it says that our prayers will have power and produce wonderful results. Now, I use many translations to get this list of words, but I'm going to read them to you. These are the postures that it says that we should have when we pray. It says that our prayers would be earnest. Earnest means to be sincere. It means to pray with intense conviction. Earnest. It says our prayer should be heartfelt. That means our prayer should be real and genuine, not fake and phony. And it says our prayer should be fervent which is passionate when we pray. Now, passionate always doesn't mean loud like I'm being. It just means you're doing it with all your heart and all your energy. But those are the postures of prayer in James 5, 16 that God says works, but it produces great power and great results when we have this attitude when we pray to God. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is this, the person of prayer. Brother Daryl, could you come play this morning for me? You guys get something today. The person of prayer. So we talked about the priority of prayer. It needs to be first. The place of prayer. All of us in here need to find a place that we can get with God every day. Quiet place, private place, solitary place, and then the posture of prayer, how our heart is, how our faith is when we pray. That matters to God. Earnest, heartfelt, fervent, effective, these verses say. But the person of prayer, the reason I said person of prayer being the last one is this. If you prayed your whole life and you got Answers to every prayer that you ever prayed, but you didn't get closer to God, you failed. The point of prayer is not to give God, our sugar daddy in the sky, a big list of stuff for him to do without a relationship. That's not a relationship. The person of prayer. So you could have the priority right, the posture right, the place right. But if you don't have the person of prayer, you missed it. Now God wants us to ask. He tells us to. God wants us to request. He wants us to. But not apart from relationship. Not apart from fellowship. 
The whole point of prayer is to get closer to Him. To spend time with Him. To know Him better every day. And like I said, if all your prayers were answered and you could teach others about prayer, but you didn't know God better at the end of the day, you failed in your prayer life. Because that's not the point of it all. The point of it is to know Him better. And I believe this fully. If you knew God better and you had a deeper fellowship with Him in your prayer life, I think your prayer list of him for things that he needs to do would get smaller. I'm not saying you wouldn't have anything on the list, but when you have him, you got everything you need. You got healing, you got peace, you got joy, you got provision. When you got him, I think that prayer list will start getting a little smaller. And that prayer list will stop being so self-focused. Start being others focused and, and church focused and, and community focused and getting in God's presence. You would get everything you needed there. You wouldn't have to pray about yourself so much because you got the person to prayer. Not just your prayers answered, you got the person behind it all. Instead of just getting the provision, you got the provider. Instead of just getting the the healing, you got the healer. Instead of just getting the saving, you got the savior. Instead of just getting the deliverance, you got the deliverer. Instead of just getting another blessing, you got the blesser of everything good in our lives. And that's the point of prayer, the person behind it. You with me so far today. But God wants his house to be a house of prayer. Now I want to give you four things. We're going four for four. Wendy's four for four. On things I would like for us to pray about as a church family. Now, we have to understand here that certain prayer assignments need more than one person. Certain things are too big for just one person. That's why God says in his word, where two or more can get an agreement, it will be done for them. But you got to understand, God isn't limited, but sometimes we are limited in our faith. We have a measure of faith. And there's certain things that are bigger than just one person, one group of people, one church. And so they have to put all their faith together to see it accomplished. Because if you bring your faith and you bring your faith and you bring your faith and you bring your faith, we will get the plan of God done for this church that one person can't just pray it through. We need all of us praying, going all in to see God's done will done on earth as it is in heaven to see God's plan for this house come to pass to see those prophecies spoken about this church to happen it's more than one person it's more than the staff praying it's more than the pastor praying it's more than a leader praying it's more than a prayer team praying it's all of us praying putting all of our faith together to accomplish something bigger than one individual So here's some things I'd like for us to pray about as a church. And, of course, we gave you a prayer guide that you could take home today. Just four things. Pray for God's will for this church. Now, we could pray the general will of God to be done for this church, but I'm talking about the specific will. In 1 Timothy 1.18, it says that, there's been prophecies given to Timothy and that he is to wage a good warfare and fight with those prophecies that were spoken over his life. And our church has been given many, many prophecies. Can I see this for a second here? Spoken by men and women of God that we trust, not weirdos, not goofy people, seasoned men and women of God. 
And we've seen a lot of things happen in this church for the past 37 years. God move. God's will be done. Prophecies come to pass. But there's many still on this list for our church that hasn't happened yet. Some of these saying stuff like that this church is supposed to be a region-changing church, that this church would affect the government, that it would affect this region of the state, that we would have favor, that it would grow, that the voice would enlarge, that the influence would reach the entire region of the state. That was spoken about this church. Now, these prophecies aren't Pastor Jordan's prophecies. I need a better response. There's nowhere on these prophecies to say Pastor Jordan. It says to Church on the Rock, which that is you. In you, in you, in you, in you, in you. These prophecies are for you and me for what this church is called to be, for what this church is called to do. But it will not happen unless we pray God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we take these prophecies and like Paul said to Timothy, we wage a good warfare with these prophecies. We fight our battles with these prophecies. Everything the enemy throws at us, we say, no, we got God's word on this. This will happen. This will come to pass. No matter what comes against this house, because many things have tried to stop it, but it hasn't stopped it. And we will see every word spoken over this place for all of us come to pass in Jesus' name. I'm preaching better than you responded today. But you got to fight with these prophecies. Not You can't just fight with something you make up, but when God speaks to you, you can pray that back to him. Say, no, this will come to pass. You said this through men and women of God. And we will be that region changing church. But that's for all of us in here. Not just me. I'm sorry, Amzie, I wrinkled up your new paper you got. But we got to pray God's will and the prophecies over this church. Next thing, we got to pray for each other. In this verse in James 5.16, notice it says at the beginning, confess your faults to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. My heart as a pastor is this, that we would pray for each other. Pray for each other like in a real genuine way, like not this Christian fake phony stuff like, oh, brother, I'll pray for you. You ain't saying nothing later. It's just like a nice thing to say. I'll pray for you. No, I mean, like when we have relationships with people in here or, or, or in life groups, that when we talk to somebody, we say, is there anything I can pray with you about? Is there anything you need? Is there anything that, that I can help you with in my prayer life? And mean it and actually go out of there and pray for it? Things will start being healed in your life. Things will start being changed in your life. That's what it says. When you pray for each other, you will be healed. That we would genuinely ask people, what can I pray with you about? And pray for each other. Third thing is pray for leadership. The staff the life groups, the teams. And I'm asking you to pray for the leadership because things are growing in this church. Things are growing in Dad's ministry, Michael Jacobs Ministries. Hey, by the way, Dad's going to be on live stream at Pastor Nancy's church this morning. Starts at uh, 1 o'clock because they're on California time. By the way, check him on live stream. But dad's ministry is growing. Church is growing. So we need more prayer going forth because the staff's going to have more responsibility. The, the life group leaders are. The team leaders are. We need to pray because if things are going to be growing, we're going to need extra prayer support, extra strength, God-given ideas to do what we're called to do as a church family. And lastly, would you pray for me? 
Romans 15 and verse 30, the Apostle Paul to this Roman church, it says, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the love of the Spirit, that you would strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Paul was asking this church to pray for him because he knew he needed it for his call for his life. And I'm asking you, church family, as your pastor, could you pray for me? Pray for strength in my body, in my mind, in my spirit. Pray for wisdom for me. Pray for me to have boldness to preach God's word. Pray for me as a pastor and as a leader to do God's will, to be a better pastor, better dad, better leader, better person. I need your prayers. Now, some of you are saying, well, pastor, you're the pastor. Aren't you supposed to pray with me? I already do. (laughs) I'm just saying, can we be in covenant here? Because covenant goes both ways. I do pray for you guys every day, and I love you so much, but I'm asking, just like the Apostle Paul did, he would always tell those churches, I'm praying for you guys. Every time I think of you, he says in one passage, I make mention of you in my prayers. I'm praying for you, and he'll write down even the specific prayers he prayed, but also Paul would tell these churches, but could you pray for me too? Because of the weight I carry, the responsibility I carry, because I want to be in God's perfect will for my life. So, I know for our church to go to where it needs to go, I need to be the leader I should be and the pastor I should be. But I'm not going to get there without your prayers for me. So I'd ask that you would pray for me. You guys with me today? So, this morning as we close, could we stand up for a second here? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.